0: Sydney Sentinel would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Mm.
1: Welcome everyone, you're listening to The Sentinel Speakeasy, the official podcast of The Sydney Sentinel, the independent voice of Sydney, located at sydneysentinel.com.au. It's episode 8 of season 3 of The Speakeasy. Hi, I'm Features Editor and podcast producer Travis DeJonk, and I'll be your host for the next half hour or so of news, current affairs, and discussion relating to Sydney. Later in this episode, we are going to be discussing Sydney's fetish scene. Once a thriving sector that 40 years ago boasted some of the most highly recognized events, community groups, practitioners and fetish wear makers in Australia, the fetish community has experienced somewhat of a decline and a dramatic transformation in the last decade. However, there are a swag of new, recently formed initiatives that are reviving interest, participation and culture of the fetish community in Sydney. We speak to two of them, our special guests on the show today are instigator of gay fetish pop-up bar the eagle bar matt bluff and from fetish community social group the hide we speak to thomas segi who not only heads up the hide but will be going on to represent sydney and australia in the international mr leather competition in may 2022 two fascinating perspectives on an equally fascinating sector of sydney's community coming up later on in the show but as always first up Here are the top stories you'll find on sydneysentinel.com.au. In a huge blow to the anti-trans onslaught of New South Wales One Nation MLC Mark Latham, the state government recently ruled out support for the legislation put forward by Latham, which was designed to prohibit teaching about gender fluidity in schools. The Education Legislation Amendment Bill 2020, known colloquially as the Trans Erasure Bill, had significant implications for trans students in school essentially forcing them to keep their gender identity hidden from teachers and counsellors, even in confidence. It also required some students to undergo a full medical affirmation of their gender in order to be able to use bathrooms or participate in sports teams that align with their gender. In a response to the bill delivered by New South Wales Minister for Education and Early Learning Sarah Mitchell, MLC, on behalf of the government, she rejected the premise of the legislation, noting that the bill may lead to targeted discrimination against a marginalised community which already experiences poor mental health and well-being outcomes. Mitchell's response also called out the bill for impracticality, noting that much of what Latham requested was either impossible or part of an existing and ongoing program of improvement in the Department of Education. The response came as a relief to many LGBTIQ advocates, including community organisers, parents groups and the New South Wales Teachers Federation, who have been tirelessly campaigning against a legislative agenda at a state and federal level that has seen a sharp focus on the rights of trans and gender diverse members of the community. In a statement published by the New South Wales Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby, convener Jack Whitney called out Latham and the bill saying Mark Latham and One Nation don't represent the New South Wales community and that One Nation sought to divide the state and in response the state said no. You can read the full story at sydneysentinel.com.au. In a never-before-seen commitment to the health of sex and gender-diverse communities in New South Wales, Health Minister Brad Hazard recently launched the first-ever New South Wales LGBTIQ Health Strategy. The launch was accompanied by the announcement of a $4.2 million investment in a health centre specifically catering to the needs of LGBTIQ populations set to deliver primary health care, mental health, sexual health and cancer screening services. The long awaited strategy stemmed from a commitment at the previous state election made in response to key health requests from various community groups led by ACON, the state's peak LGBTIQ health and wellbeing organisation. Support from both sides of government and the involvement of many LGBTIQ community members culminated in an initiative that was described by Hazard as a breakthrough health strategy, which aims to address long standing health inequities. Speaking at the announcement, Deputy CEO of ACON, Karen Price, reflected on the breadth of the strategy and welcomed the investment in training and education for frontline staff in public and private healthcare. If there's one thing that COVID has taught us, it's that health is a fundamental pillar in our societies, United. Speaking at the launch, Mardi Gras 78er and Vice President of Enterprise, Robin Kennedy, explained the potential impact of the policy. She said the implications for the healthcare system are significant, especially for the ageing LGBTIQ community who are afraid to lose their identities in aged care services, identities they have fought hard for. For more on this story, visit sydneysentinel.com.au. Despite a record 85% of businesses in Australia experiencing staff shortages, finding a job can be a struggle, especially for people with disabilities. Potential employers often can't see past the physical signs of disability, like wheelchairs or crutches. Furthermore, people without obvious disabilities often have to hide their disability in the workplace in order to retain their jobs, something Disability Support Coordinator Rose Abusali says happens far too often. However, change is on the horizon. The Sentinel's news editor, Talia Dobson, reports the Coles Group announcement that they are seeking to hire more Australians with disabilities. The retail giant has announced it is partnering with the federal government on the government's 2.43 million recruitable pilot program, which aims to support employers to create more diverse workplaces and afford more opportunities for people with disabilities. The recruitable pilot program is also partnering with Get Skilled Access, which was founded by Australian of the Year, Dylan Alcott. Coles Group CEO, Stephen Kane said the pilot was one of many ambitious plans to foster inclusion in the workplace. However, not everyone is convinced the Coles Group will be fully inclusive, with criticisms from the disability community surmising that only a selection of stores will actually be part of the program and that a retailer shouldn't be praised for doing the bare minimum. However, Dylan Alcott is confident and optimistic in the developments, highlighting that Coles, one of Australia's largest employers, has not just shown genuine commitment to creating more job opportunities for people with disability, but that commitment will help their staff become more inclusive and disability confident, making the shopping experience for people with disabilities more accessible and easier. You can read the full story by Talia Dobson at sydneysentinel.com.au. And now to entertainment news, the Sentinels music editor, Danny Watterson, speaks with Australian music star Vanessa Amorossi, who is back with a brand new sound and renewed passion on her new album, City of Angels. Now, Vanessa Amorossi is a mainstay of the Australian entertainment industry, known for her powerhouse vocals and critically acclaimed music. The popular singer-songwriter, now 40 years old, was already a household name by her 18th birthday. She has since forged a unique and mutually fond relationship with the Australian public. Her career is littered with highlights. These include her debut album, The Power, with its uplifting worldwide anthem, Absolutely Everybody, attaining multi-platinum status in the year 2000, performing Heroes Live Forever at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games opening ceremony, and scoring a number one single in 2009 with This Is Who I Am and performing Lessons of Love live on the Eurovision Australia Decide stage in 2020. It's now 2022, and Amorossi, now based in LA, told The Sentinel that she has created what she considers to be the most Vanessa Amorossi album with City of Angels. The album, which was released on the 18th of March, has just debuted in the top 10 of the ARIA album charts, proving Amorossi has lost none of her appeal. Back in February, Amorossi also played a key role in this year's Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras parade with a performance at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Saturday, the 5th of March. Speaking to The Sentinel about Mardi Gras, she says, for her, celebrating and rejoicing love means a lot. There's a whole lot more to that story, and you can check out Danny Watterson's full interview with Vanessa Amorosi at sydneysentinel.com.au. And those are just some of the top stories you'll find at The Sydney Sentinel. For more news, as well as a huge range of arts and entertainment content, feature articles, interviews, opinion, and queer, vegan, and youth content, visit sydneysentinel.com.au. You'll also find us on Facebook at The Sydney Sentinel and on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is sydney__sentinel. And now it's time for our special guest interviews. From bondage and domination to leather, rubber and beyond, fetish and kink subcultures are as diverse and fascinating as the people who partake in its alternative sexual practices, Sydney's fetish and kink scene back in the 80s and 90s was a thriving subculture that boasted some of the most highly recognised events, community groups, practitioners and fetish wear makers in Australia. And perhaps due to social and cultural and legal shifts in our society, or perhaps because of changes in the way that we interact through online platforms, whatever the cause might be, Sydney's fetish community has experienced somewhat of a decline and dramatic transformation in the past few decades. However, there are a swag of new, recently formed initiatives that are reviving interest, participation and culture of the fetish community in Sydney. Now, in this episode, we speak to two groups that are redefining fetish and kink for Sydney in the 2020s, revealing how important and empowering it is, and also showing us that fetish and kink is as relevant as it ever was, if not more. Our first special guest on the episode is Matt Bluff, instigator of Gay Fetish Pop-Up Bar, The Eagle Bar, Sydney, at the Burdekin Hotel in Darlinghurst. Let's have a listen to that chat now. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for joining us on the show. to Tell us a bit about The Eagle and the organisational kind of aspects of what it is that you're heading
0: so the Eagle is uh, a pop up fetish bar in Sydney. It's been around. We've just had our second birthday, actually. It's been around for two years. We yeah. kicked off just before the pandemic, so that's been a joy. <laughs> um, really, it was uh, it was quite just opportunistic that we we got it going. Um, a friend of mine ran a small bar in um, the Burdekin Hotel and the space in which he was operating was going to be free during Mardi Gras. Yeah. So he said, do I want to run a bar? And the answer was yes, because it has always been um, on my mind that, you know, with a lot of the gay venues in Sydney closing down um, and the barracks, sorry, manacle closing,
1: mm-hmm. uh, we,
0: the fetish people who came to town didn't have anywhere to gather. So yeah. we just thought, oh, let's see what happens and run a, run a week's worth of events, uh, which we did in 2020 and was amazing, actually. Every night was um, got a good crowd, even the midweek ones where I thought it would be a bit quiet actually
1: turned out to be quite good. So, yeah. And as part of the reason why I've invited you to speak on the show is actually because... I, from multiple sources over particularly this Mardi Gras period, so many people spoke to me about the activities of the Eagle and sort of said how great it was and how included they felt and how, uh, you know, compared to the other venues that are around Oxford Street, Darlinghurst and, and part of the Mardi Gras landscape, that they felt really welcome and comfortable there, especially from the people from the fetish community. What were you trying to build when you first said yes to the bar?
0: It was literally... Uh, to provide a space for fetish folk to come and have a place together. Literally, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the end. Yeah. Um, And I think there'd been a lack of those spaces, or there are a lack of those spaces, quite frankly. I mean, I know that the the fetish scene is um, getting a resurgence in the last couple of years, and it's amazing. Uh, We do not have a permanent home, really, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how Manicor was there every weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, But as well... The types of uh, events with the Hyde and with the Eagle and with some of the other events around town, Um, you know, they're regular and I think that's kind of the right rhythm at the moment for for Sydney. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly a load of people during Mardi Gras went, oh, this is fantastic. I wish it was open every weekend. And that comes with its own sort of little hook, right, that yeah. you know, we can put it on every weekend, but are you going to be there every weekend? Because yeah. yeah. what needs to happen? Yeah. So it was literally we wanted to create a safe space um, that people could be in uh, during that first one. You know, the borders were still open, so there were loads of people from around the country as well as tonnes of international visitors. And I'm quite mm. surprised in the first one it wasn't a super
2: spreader event,
0: but that's <laughs> Let's let that go. Um, <laughs> even the last one, quite frankly, um, it's, but, all, yeah. it's all that
1: um, rubber and leather polish, right? It kills everything. <laughs> Except well, sexual it's, spirit. <laughs> maybe it's te- it could be the tequila. Who knows? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Whatever works. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, you know, it's been, you know, we've had, uh, it's a pop-up. The Eagle yeah. is a pop-up. So we've mm-hmm. had... Um, a couple of events when we can or could during the between lockdowns and things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems that we may now have a rhythm where we don't have to have lockdowns anymore so Mm there will be more events throughout the year uh, one every six to eight weeks Um, and then during World Pride again we'll we'll have another series of events and I think that was the thing, there was loads of good feedback from people Mm -hmm. from Brisbane and Melbourne and Perth and Adelaide saying how great it was to have somewhere where they could be themselves and have a great time and we started off with a little bar and it opens at eight and it's not those sort of bar that people get there at 11 people get there at quarter to eight
1: yeah fantastic and then all, of sudden,
0: all of a sudden about 10 o'clock it becomes a nightclub and it just goes off so it's been amazing
1: I love it. I love it. So um, now you and I have known each other for a, a quite a while. I know you've been a participant in the leather scene, the fetish scene for a long time. Um, and you've seen plenty of changes like it, that have happened in the New South Wales, particularly the Sydney fetish landscape. You, uh, Sydney used to have leather bars and they haven't had it for a while, right? So is, is yeah. it kind of? Uh, do you feel you're kind of at ground zero rebuilding a culture of leather socialisation? Is that part of you know, the task ahead of you? I don't, I don't think we're at ground
0: zero, frankly. I mean, there okay. were, I told this story during, um, during Mardi Gras to someone mm-hmm. that it, it, there was a time after Manacle closed and, you know, the Sydney scene with apps and a lot of different factors, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the bars were closing or morphing and becoming something different that I did kind of consider hanging up my gear um, yeah. because there was nowhere to go. And then, you know, when you went to somewhere like you know, a party,
1: yeah. a
0: fetish party, and you put on your gear, people would kind of look at you weird. Yeah. And right. it's like, hey, it was the, you know, it's the dance party crowd, not the fetish crowd. Yeah. But I think with uh, city non-denominational leather and the hide that started, you know, a good two years before the Eagle started, yeah. at least, there's been a real resurgence. And yeah. I think it's not just people finding their fetish self. It certainly mm. is. Yeah. But it's also those people who were in the scene already hmm. rekindling their love for their fetish. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're not at ground zero, but certainly the thing that has impressed me over the last little while, and it happened again at Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, you know, I've been around 4,000 years. And so I know most of the people <laughs> I'm saying, I turn around and I'd be like, oh, hey, I, I don't know you. My name's Matt. and Who are you? And they'd tell me. And it's like, so you're standing there in like, worth of leather, full leather gear. Mm. What's the story? Oh, yeah, I've just had it hanging in the closet. Mm. I was like, what? Mm. Uh, I didn't realise Sydney had this sort of scene, so I was just living in the closet. There were a load of people who came for the first time, Mm. had never been out in Sydney before, Mm. whether it was leather or rubber or sports gear or whatever, and they were fully kitted out. Yeah. so it's it's one of those things, it's like, well, I'm glad you're here. That's awesome. And, you know, and I did a whole lot of deep dives with them about, well, how did you find out? And, you know, where did you get your news from? Because there isn't, like, the newspapers anymore, you know? Yeah. So a lot of it's word of mouth,
1: frankly. So it's been kind of interesting. Yeah, that's great. And there's a very strong social aspect there. I'm, I'm curious to ask you about, you know, uh, over the like, you know, over the last decade in particular, I feel like there's been this, kind of um, Mardi Gras has gone down a bit more of this creating a family-friendly, all-inclusive environment, which, you know, has its pros and cons. One of the criticisms that are often aimed at people who are into various fetishes and kink, the kink community, is that, you know, it, it's very adult and they kind of get shunned a bit and, you know, criticised for wearing arseless chaps and that sort of thing. I was curious to ask you on a personal level, what does it mean you to wear the gear like why why is that important why do you feel that it's something that needs to be defended yeah
0: <laughs> well i think firstly there are there there's a group in the fetish community where um your fetish is actually part of your personality right. so to actually deny your fetish is um detrimental to your health right your mental health it's about being around people who get you so you don't have to explain or, mm-hmm. You know why are you wearing that color or that leather or that rubber or whatever or puppyhood or whatever? Yeah. Um, there's certainly people who enjoy it for its visual aspect, mm-hmm. and not everyone is into fetish, right? Is into you know being taken to the local sex club and whipped for four hours before they're fisted <laughs> and then thrown <laughs> the pill, right? Yeah, right. There's
1: anything, there's anything wrong with that? Yeah,
0: and, and you know it's one of those weird things where. I, I think, you know, creating that space has been, it's been a joy, quite frankly. I, I I stood in the middle of the floor one night and I looked up at all the posters and I went, how the hell did we get here? But, God, am I glad that we did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and it's one of those things that I'd say to the family-friendly people, you know, you need to be family-friendly and G-rated. Mm. There's a lot of straight kingsters out there. Yeah, right, you know, of so course. It's not just the, you know, it's not just the gay boys that are corrupting the youth. Uh, the youth are finding their corruption everywhere. So um,
1: one it's of It's just the a very natural human instinct, right? Like just... It,
0: yeah. it's, it's a... It's in fact, someone put it recently that during COVID, um, they observed that people were spending time on themselves rather than money to renovate or holiday or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're in a quiet zone and thinking about themselves. And a lot of them went, oh, there's there's a part of me that I want to explore. And yeah. that's kink. Um, so there's been a lot of inquiries from people who are like, I'm fascinated about rope or leather or rubber or what have you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's providing a mechanism for those people to be able to just come. And th- this is the thing we always say, it's um, no gear, no fear, just come. I love um, that. No gear, no fear.
1: I really love that. I really love
0: that. And there was one, there was a kinkster who reached out to me and said, oh, I didn't know this sort of thing happened in Sydney, what's it like, blah, blah. blah. So we met up for a drink and I explained it to him and he was still a little bit, he's a, he was a little bit um, shy to wear his gear in public. And to yeah. be honest, his gear is very, he's, he's into military wear. Yeah, so right. it's a very kind of mainstream as, you know, you could wear it down the street and people would be like, oh, that's just a person from the army yeah. uh, versus, you know, something else. And he said, oh, I'll come one night and just see what it's like and blah, blah, blah. And he came one night. This is one of the great stories of the Mardi Gras season. He came one night and I'm like, oh, fantastic, you're here. And, you know, he's like, this is amazing. And I said, it's exactly, you know, it's what I said it was. You yeah. know, come be yourself. Um, no one's going to judge you for wearing your gear. But he didn't wear his gear, right? He wore, he wore civvies. He came straight from dinner. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, I would feel comfortable if I, you know, brought yeah. my stuff in a bad change and blah, blah, blah. About an hour later, I turned around and I, he was standing next to me and I didn't recognise him because he was in a wrestling suit. I'm like, where did this come from? Were yeah. you wearing that other civvies? He's like, oh, no, 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 some dude just lent it to me. Oh, how <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I love that. I know. Oh, I'm like, great. well, clearly you're feeling comfortable, you know. Yeah. So, so it's about that. You know, it's about just having a space. And, and you mentioned before, and a lot of people have said how welcoming it is. He had a whale of the time, quite frankly.
1: That's fantastic. And that's fundamentally what it's about, right? I mean, I think for a lot of people listening who have never really encountered the BDSM or the fetish scene or anything like that, it's it can be a little bit hard to kind of filter through what it is that, you know, what, what the experience is. But it is actually a lot simpler than than people kind of give it credit for, right? I mean, people, I think, have kinks that they're not even aware of as being kinks. There might be simple things as some people just really like suits or some people like yeah. swimwear or and they just embody it. It's a thing that kind of they like doing. And it, the sexual aspect gets overblown because it's so much more about cerebral. It's, you know, like, that stuff happens in the mind, right?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And um, there were a few people who had just naturally assumed um, that Eagle was a sex club. Yeah, right. And I went, "Huh, this is New South Wales for a start." Yeah, <laughs> there's no back room or anything. Yeah, it, it's a bar. You know, yeah. it's a bar or a club, that sort of stuff. It's not yeah. Europe. There's no back room. You know, there's no. Uh, door bitch it. that's going to say you can't come in because you're wearing, you know, yeah. sandals or, or whatever it is, you know, um, all are welcome so long as you're not going to sit there and gawk and heckle from the mm. sidelines and
1: participate. One of the things about our website is uh, we have a dedicated vegan section and my editor told me to ask you, both you and uh, Thomas, who I spoke to yesterday, um, about vegans. And the leather scene. Now, have you come across any vegans uh, who people who are, or people who are just, you know, um, they won't wear animal skin? So, I mean, the, the fetish scene is so much bigger than just leather, right? So,
0: uh, absolutely. I mean, rubber is a natural product uh, yeah. made by trees. Uh, yeah. There is actually uh, a range of, I think they're actually calling it vegan leather yeah, um, right. that uh, Eagle Leather in Melbourne just advertised this week actually Fantastic. Um, so yeah. there are options
1: mm-hmm.
0: um we do have a uh, a hindu guy who comes along and he is right up that um alley way love that. Uh, he, he has a leather affiliation um mm-hmm. so you know there are there are options frankly
1: yeah
0: and you said fetish is not just about leather it's mm. about anything can be fetishized absolutely yeah.
1: I'd like to talk a a little bit about what Sydney used to be in the 70s and 80s and 90s in terms of its leather and fetish scene, because, I mean, I think there's a lot of things, again, if if you're not familiar with the scene, which a lot of our listeners aren't, um, Sydney... Look, Australia had a, thri- kind of, a somewhat of thriving kind of leather community, so much so that Sydney had a number of leather um, leather makers and practitioners, fetish makers and practitioners. You know, there's a fetish scene, lots of people who made incredible gear here. They were mm. things like the Sydney Leather Pride and you had Inquisition and these kind of fairly large gatherings of people, and that sort of just changed as the dynamic of our society has sort of changed. Now, when you go over to Europe, and you mentioned, you know, being being over at Europe before, um, they've still managed to hold on to, you know, a lot of these really kind of positive affirmations of being involved in the fetish community in ways that we haven't. Um, do you can you can you see us going growing in a big way in that way? Like, I mean, do, you, do you think Sydney and Australia is ready to, you know, maybe? I don't know. Go back is the wrong word. You know what am I trying to say? Um, get back, get back to that vibrant. Yeah, sort yeah. Of,
0: so there's a couple of things I think. You, you know, whilst I vaguely remember the 70s, I certainly wasn't on the scene <laughs> then. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, Sydney, like all the major cities in Australia, had a massive gay scene. Loads of bars. Um, different nights and different bars. Hmm. And things have evolved. I think one of the things in the early 2000s with Manacle was great. It was because um, it was a men-only space. A lot of the other bars have become mixed, which is fine. Hmm. Um, And the Eagles certainly is mixed. I think as well, you know, Australia is geographically remote,
2: Hmm. whereas
0: a lot of the places in Europe, as an example, you can go for a weekend break and uh, participate in the scene. So. Uh, I think their clubs have evolved, but they've, they've remained more active for a number of reasons. One, I think they get an influx of tourists every weekend, uh, whereas in Australia you just don't get that. Yeah, um, Their bars are also quite smaller than ours. Yeah. They're kind of a little, and same in San Francisco, they're a little more intimate neighbourhood bars, but there's more of them in, yeah. in an area. Um, it's a little bit cultural in some of the cities as well, that, you know, everyone will go out and have a drink at a bar. So there, there's that. I think Australia is evolving its scene. Mm-hmm. I think Sydney needs to take a sharp look at itself and work out what we're going to do next year for World Pride. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the shop fronts along Oxford Street are empty, whether they're oh, bars, no, so or restaurants, or cafes. You know, it's empty
1: mm.
0: now. Even even as recently as Thursday we were talking about maybe we should actually open it as a bar and I'm like, I'm not ready for that level. Yeah, of that's a big investment. I'm, I'd need to pretty much do. In terms of the leather scene and the, the fetish scene around mm-hmm. Australia, it's stronger than you think, yeah, right? right, it's, right. Still, it's still there. We need to, why we created the Eagle, Eagle is to have um, an avenue or an outlet to actually have events and for people to come together as a community. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, are we going to have a permanent bar? Who knows what the future holds? But you know, we'll just have to see.
1: Let me ask you about the the year that's ahead. And of course next year is 2020 uh, 2023 is World Pride in Sydney. Uh won that amazing honor to to host World Pride and one of the biggest celebrations of Pride in the world. Um, what is your hope for the coming year and then for next year? I notice you've already in the Eagle is already you know, um, looking to next year in your publicity material, I saw on your Facebook page and stuff. You've got, um, you know, some of the things coming up for twenty twenty three. You know, you're obviously very hopeful about it. Um, what is your ideal, what hope for that time?
0: So this is this is my ideal hope, and and again, it's it's the experience of understanding how people work and travel and being involved in different big events. We have started, as you said, publicising next year um, Mm -hmm. for World Pride. We've started reaching out to the different fetish groups around the world. I mean, there's massive festivals that go on. I've mentioned the ones in Australia. I mean, so we're targeting all those, those, uh, you know, social media groups around those events um, and trying to encourage people and, and raise their awareness that there is this great scene in Sydney so, you know, don't just bring your speedos and your party gear, but also pack your fetish wear. Um, and and people, who, people who will come will be hardcore fetish people, if you can say that. Um, they need prodding, though, because it's, you know, it's not just round the corner. It's not a, you know, a 99-pound uh, Ryanair flight <laughs> for the weekend, right? It's a yeah. serious commitment. So yeah. now, you know, we're preparing mentally People um, yeah. to travel to make them aware that Sydney World Pride is on.
1: Yeah, that's
0: a big. Deal, quite frankly, not. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who don't know it's in Sydney.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and start saving their euros to mm.
1: come down or their dollars to come down, and you know yeah. there will be things to do.
0: And lots so, of in the Asia
1: Pacific as well. I mean, there's a whole region here that we have instant access to, which yeah. I think you know, <laughs> are probably gagging to come out and have a great time and and just experience a level of liberation maybe that they don't have even in, in their own nation.
0: And that, that's, that's what we're going to provide is that um, it may kill me, but um, <laughs> usually we have the bar open for seven nights around uh, leading into Mardi Gras. Um, as you would know, Mardi Gras and World Pride are back-to-back, so two weeks back-to-back. Yeah, we're wow. going to have the bar open for two weeks um, with, again, themed nights every night, and we're probably going to organise a few you know different surprises during the two weeks Yeah, um, we're talking with different people from overseas to come out um, and if anything like the 2020 events loads of people from Europe want to be coming to Mardi Gras it's yeah. you know it's got a great reputation uh, it is one of the sad things that recently people haven't traveled to come
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um, so yeah Next year is going to be massive. During World Pride, we're going to have uh, our next event for the Eagle is on Saturday the 16th, Easter mm-hmm. Saturday of April, um, called Maximum Fetish. Yeah. Uh, same great location in Level 2 in the Burdekin.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: next, after that, we'll probably put an event on during Pride Month and then Sydney Fetish Week at the end of September leading into the long week in October. There'll be a couple of nights there. And then somewhere in November, December, and then
1: we're back into Mardi Gras um,
0: and isn't World that, Pride.
1: It'll go like this. I mean, isn't it? The year is already flying past. Matt Bluff, <laughs> thank you so much for speaking to us about The Eagle and about your uh, in the incredible activities and the fetish landscape in Sydney. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, we will have links to The Eagle Bar and your other activities in our podcast notes. So don't worry about that. Everyone's going to find out. If you want to find out more, that's the place to look. Matt Bluff, thank you for your time today. Spanks, Spanks for speaking to us.
0: <laughs> oh wow, wow! Hashtag. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Such a bad dad joke that is. But no, no, no. Uh, we'll end it on our hashtag. Is hashtag Get Your Gear On. Love it.
1: And that was Matt Bluff, instigator of the Eagle Bar Sydney. The Eagle Bar run a whole range of fetish socials themed from leather to rubber, fetish pups, sports uniforms and more. Now, as I mentioned in the interview, if you'd like to find out more or get involved, links are in our podcast notes. Our second special guest on the show today is Thomas Segi, who also leads a relatively new fetish and kink social group known as The Hyde. The Hyde is an all-inclusive and welcoming leather and fetish monthly-based social based in Sydney that aims to provide a relaxed and friendly place to meet up in gear, whatever that gear might be. The group kept the spirit of fetish and kink alive through the isolating and challenging COVID lockdowns by adapting their real-world meetups to meeting online during lockdown. The Hyde takes a particularly passionate stance when it comes to freedom of expression and the empowerment of proudly engaging in kink. Now, Thomas doesn't just lead The Hyde. He will be one of the contestants who will be representing Australia in arguably the biggest and most prominent Leatherman competitions in the world, International Mr. Leather 2022 in Chicago. It is a title, Australia Won Once Before, by Patrick Brooks from Sydney, Australia in 1980. Now, this is a fascinating conversation. Let's have a listen to that now. Thomas Sege, thank you so much for joining us on the Sentinel Speak Easy today. Um, to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about the organisation that you head?
2: Um, so, yes, hi, my name's Thomas. I'm part of the organising
1: crew for The
2: Hyde, so um, The Hyde Sydney. So The Hyde is a leather and fetish social monthly event held in Sydney. Currently, we operate out of the Burdekin Hotel, uh, who are lovely people that um, help us make our event possible as well as many other supporters throughout the community. Uh, I've been part of the organising crew for two years now. Mm-hmm. So there's a few of us who do it, um, do all the back end uh, for it. and um, And we're also very much supported by volunteers who help make the event possible on the night first started uh, in August 2017 um, mm-hmm. by a lovely uh, leather man called Jersey Leatherman. From my understanding, uh, he started up the event as a space for originally for people who went into leather and other people who are kink minded, who enjoy going out in their fetish gear mm-hmm. as a space for them to be with other like-minded people. Yeah, so, so it,
1: it, we should probably explain it for our audience too. So um, <laughs> when we talk about leather and fetish, it really encompasses quite a broad range of, of interest groups, and like everything from you know rubber, lycra, bondage. Um, like it really, it's a quite a, quite a broad scene, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So the fetish, kink, and fetish community uh, does do a very good job at encompassing, uh, uh, capturing quite a lot of people who have. Interests that vary a bit from the mainstream interests, but a kink anyone can have kinks and fetishes there. So it's not it's not a mutual it's not an exclusive uh, community. It is welcoming to quite a lot. Specifically with the hide, we focus a lot on the gear aspects of it. So from your like, is you want to think about are your leather is your your is your latex and rubber um, to the pup community. Um, uh to your people who enjoy their sports kit skinhead bikers our great uniform people as well anything where the gear that you wear you feel empowered and confident while wearing it that's the main thing regardless of regardless of like what it is and what the material at the end of the day it's what's your personal connection to what you're wearing and how does it how does it make you feel and then that feeling is you know is shared by other people who are also at the events as well and it's that supportive community that makes people want to continue to come out and wear what they've got showcase their things and just feel supported and just connecting with others that's that's Uh, the main thing
1: can i ask like what what was your what 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 inspired you to first get involved with this group well I've been
2: uh, interested in kinks and fetishes since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it was mainly online, whether it be through dating sites or through erotica. That's when I was early on, I was like, okay, there's not more so interested in something a bit different. Um, I can't really put my finger on it, but I'm reading these kind of stories. I'm like, oh, I like that. I see myself in those situations. Let me explore it more. And so even though I did a lot of exploring in my early years, it was all through private, just one-on-one um, encounters or some group settings, uh, yet nothing public. It wasn't until I did two months around Europe, I got my first set of proper gear. That I was like, yep, I'm happy with it. Went to Berlin. I kidded myself out because I'm like, I'm so not confident in what I I don't know what I need. But I think if I go to Berlin, which is a kind of like a mecca Mecca, (laughs) for, for, for kink and leather, surely someone there will be able to help me out. And thankfully, I had a few friends who said, yep, go here. They'll be able to help you out amazing salespeople who actually understood <laughs> where I was coming from yeah. and still remember the first time I put all my gear on in uh Berlin and I had the biggest cheesiest smile on oh. first mohawk I had had which was just like a shaved down one so it was quite the transformation but then my first time really publicly that I came out with gear was actually at the Hyde Mardi Gras 2018 wow and yeah so it's, it's still very recently in terms of the the history of the community but I was still so nervous going to the event like my friend had a good friend Joel who had been encouraging me to come to the Hyde since late 2017 and I kept on brushing it away no 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 i don't i don't i i get too nervous and stuff and then the model one okay
1: it's challenging isn't it sorry to it's sorry to interrupt you there but it is somewhat challenging isn't it to kind of and a bit confronting if you've never really done it before to kind of to express yourself in in what you're wearing and to go out in it is a is a big thing isn't it
2: it actually is which is actually the premise of a podcast that i have done during my whole year Um, called The King Closet where I go around asking people in the community, Mm -hmm. uh, tell me who you were before you were a fetish person. And that question invokes in people either who they were before they came out as a Kingster or Mm -hmm. their first time going to an event or their first King experience. And by sharing stories like that, it's actually helped New people hear about how others have overcome any fears or anxieties, yeah. but it's also helped more of the um, seasoned Kingsters to reflect on their own experiences to help them develop, well, oh, that's, that's how that person, did. oh, okay, I've learned a bit more about myself. Yeah. So you're not wrong with that, Travis. The, the hardest steps are doing it the first time, going to a new event, going to a new city, going to a new place in your gear. Even though we wear, sometimes when you put it on your leg for the first time, can be you can be quite vulnerable. Yeah. However, the more times you do it, and the more comfortable and confident you get, it does that vulnerability turns into um, a like a second skin of confidence. Yeah, like an more armor. Like, more like armor.
1: Now, also, I think, I think one of the important things to point out, too, is like um, one, one of the biggest steps in making that first step in going out and expressing yourself, you know, uh, especially your particular kink or fetish might be actually finding the right space. And I feel like the Hyde, um, it's one of the newer groups that has popped up in, in the Sydney fetish landscape.
2: How I see the Hyde is, yes, we are always welcoming and open to all people, Mm-hmm. While there is quite a male focus, we mm-hmm. have, um, do actually have people from all genders come to our events there mm-hmm. and feel welcome and supported. While it's a continual um, thing we are looking at, um, we do make headways when we can, and the community and our patrons do enjoy seeing a diverse range of kinksters come to our events. Mm-hmm. As for this newer generation, you have kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense that there are a new wave of kingsters coming through the technology and this gener- generation of accessibility. People are seeing more, they're learning more, they're connecting, especially things like social media where you're reaching out to people from overseas a lot and they have a different style, perspective, viewpoints. Yeah, It's influencing things back home. But at the same time, we also do a very good job at Respecting our elders in the community to make sure that they have also got a space that they feel like they can come to and connect with everyone there, not just people that they knew back from when they first started, or but also have the. uh, It's also an environment where they feel comfortable to talk to everyone there, and everyone feels like it's a safe place to do so.
1: Yeah, look, I I think you made again. You made some great points there. I, I mean, I've been to a few of your events over the years, and the thing that I've always been struck by is how what an empowering space it really is it's, wow they're really serious this is their moment to shine and then there was definitely people from every age group
2: um i did europe mid 2017 mm-hmm. um i was very fortunate at 25 to have two months long service leave so i took mm-hmm. the opportunity to travel and the good thing about going around europe is it would provide me a great opportunity to it can, to connect with people who i'd been chatting to online for all these yep. years yep. um and I had a very special friend who I'd been chatting to since I think he recalls since 15 and um, I will hold him to that. <laughs> and um, it's just having sometimes that one person who you feel comfortable and who encourages you can make all the difference. Mm. So he took me to, in, when I first saw him in London, he took me to a place called Regulation and he bought me my first rubber. I'm yeah. like fantastic. That was an amazing thing in all of itself, and I wore that. Why well, I didn't really wear it when I was traveling, but then I went to Berlin and I wore it out to uh, one of the play parties at the the, the lab, and that was amazing. Oh, wow. But then he then came over, and I'd already bought. I'd already bought my leather, so I already did that by myself, and just having that experience of I've got my two bags walking through the streets. I felt very pretty woman. Um, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> and we shopping. But that's like a fun experience. It's, it's, it doesn't happen all the time, but yeah. it was nice to do. But when he came over, it's again, he's just like, okay, no, we're gonna do this and helped me get into my gear. It was we we had another friend join us. It was like eleven or mid no, just after lunchtime that we started gearing yeah. up. And then I'm like, what are we going outside? He was, yeah, I'm like it's oh, hell daylight. Man. And like, yeah, that's okay. We can do something like, all right. And walking around with two other two other kings in leather, it was great. Went to, yeah. but that regardless, like that's that's fine. But the thing that was actually more impactful after all that yeah. was at going to dinner at nine, 10 o'clock at night around yeah. the corner from the hotel, uh-huh. having Italian, and the the restaurant loving it. And it, they <laughs> did it, and I go, I was so so petrified, and they go, no. Trust me, they're used to this. You will be fine. Isn't that and, Well, the thing is, it, where I was Folsom, which is a in, um, internationally renowned fetish event, is held in the same area. So yeah. it's something that they're they're used to and they love, and it's celebrated there. Doing those kind of experiences there gives you it kind of takes away the fear about doing it doing it in um, in your hometown. Mm-hmm. And then it encourages these lovely events where you can kind of go to event to a restaurant on a mm-hmm. crawl, like pub to pub in yeah. your gear and you're like, well, no, it's it's fine. That's you can you'll you be okay.
1: Yes. And it feels good to do it,
2: right? Uh-huh. Al, oh, it's great. I mean, I walk yeah. around I walk around Newtown in my gear and I get heads turned, but for the right reason. Yeah. So you kind of just you feel part of you just feel part of the ambience of the place and, and you get to do it. And I do understand not every area of Sydney is welcome to do that. And mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate that there are places where people do have to sometimes hide up hide what they've got because for their own safety, which is yeah. sad. But there are pockets here where we can express ourselves and you actually get you get clapped and applauded. With it uh, For being yourself. It's, it's,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about what you do at the Hyde and certainly you yourself as an individual. I mean, you definitely find flying the flag of, uh, you know, increasing that level of acceptance and also just kind of normalizing it a bit for people because it is kind of, you know, wouldn't it be great? It should, it should, it should you should feel safe to do that. And I think it's great that, you know, um, you, you definitely embody that in your everyday life and we're going to come back to that because you're representing australia overseas uh, in a, a very significant competition we can't let you go without speaking to you about a very exciting development now the international mr leather competition is arguably one of the most the, the highest profile uh, fetish competition that there is in the world with leather in particular it happens in chicago each year and I think, um, I'm yeah. not sure if it uh, happened over the last couple of years because of COVID and all that sort of stuff, but it is happening this year. And my understanding is that you are going to be one of the representatives from Australia in the International Mr Leather Competition. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So uh, I have the great honour and privilege as being the representative from the High as part of the High 2019 okay. to uh, go over and represent Sydney Leather and First Community and also Australia in general, as well mm-hmm. as um, I believe one of the other people going over is Mike James, the Australian Leatherman. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's going to be lovely to have um, both of us there. I'm not too sure if anyone else from Australia, but that's... Who I believe we're going over. That's just an important milestone and event um, through my personal journey throughout the community. Um, and other people also felt the same. But everyone, everyone can tackle a comp- everyone can enter and compete in a competition for different reasons. And they're yeah. all perfectly valid for one another. Um, I just feel very uh, lucky to have the opportunity to represent my kink. On the international stage, and it's I. It wouldn't be happening without the amazing support from my sponsors, which I've also like, the Hyde Sex Fetish in Sydney, Mussenup All yeah. Leather in Perth, as well as Fetish Australia, yeah. where they're helping me go along, as well as the support from the community here, to which I'm um, having an amazing fundraiser on the 24th of April to help help raise some funds to get me over there. And the thing I'm just looking forward to the most is connecting with others, seeing the international stage, the international community, the brotherhood that you get by competing with the class of other leather men, and the special bonds you'll form not only with your class but with everyone who's over there coming to support it there, um, seeing everyone on stage putting myself on stage yeah. and just giving it all to do the best I
1: can. Yeah. Are you, are you, um, no, it, it, it is, I mean, it's for, for those who are unfamiliar with it, it is very, it, it's a serious competition. And, and, but it's one, I think, that you're quite prepared for. I mean, you do hold some leather, ti- sorry, you do hold some titles here in Australia, don't you, already?
2: Well, the title that I hold is the Pride of the High 2019. So the Pride of the High title started in 2019, developed by, Jersey Eleven and the the kind of uh, the thought process behind the title is hide is a all-encompassing event, especially when it comes to gear and the people who attend. Yeah. So the the name part of the hide is so that it can be adapted and relate to any fetish and any gender, so yeah. anyone can take it on and make and make it their own. I was very fortunate enough to be the first uh, winner of it. I uh, competed against a lovely, uh, lovely man, Pete, who gave it his all with his latex and who has done an amazing job since then. And the Pride of the Hide title was the main thing about it is just to represent the hide in the kink and fetish community um, as well as promote and grow the community where possible. And the things that I've done during that time is um, my own personal thing was that King Closet podcast that I mentioned earlier, which has had over 8,000 downloads over 28 episodes, which is fantastic. Amazing. Um, And the other thing is about uh, working with Fetish Australia with other title holders around Australia to produce an amazing Mardi Gras float and fair day where we've been able to make a space for Kingsters to march on Oxford Street all through the SCG uh, and really showcase what the fetish community can do, as well as increasing our visibility at Fair Day so others can have a chance to talk and learn about uh, what the community is and how they can get involved and what events are in their local area. And then... Moving on from Mardi Gras is all the online stuff through the virtual hides, through helping um, be part of the organizing crew at the hide, going over to events um, Mm -hmm. when we still could, um, representing the title, connecting with others, being a mentor for others in the community, helping them grow, uh, and uh, just always reaching out to expand and really try to reconnect all those who are part of the community but don't always um, we don't always see them as often.
1: Well, I think I mean I think I can see why you got um, why why you were the um, why you received that first uh, title and honor because you definitely encompass the spirit of the hide. You're a great representative of the, of the community, and and we wish you all the best. Thomas you, thank you so much for your time speaking to us today at the Sentinel Speakeasy. Of course, all the the links that you mentioned, we are going to put them in our podcast notes um, so that they can find out more about The Hide, they can find out more about your journey. Uh, to international Mr. Leather in Chicago this year and also uh, the the many other activities that you're involved in. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today. No worries, uh, Travis.
2: Thank you for the invitation and good luck with it. I hope your listeners have gotten a a nice informative taste of the community and we hope to, if anyone reaches out, please reach out to me. Happy to answer any questions and hopefully we might see you around the hide. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And that was Thomas Segui from The Hyde. Now, as I mentioned in our interview, if you'd like to know more about or get involved with The Hyde or The Eagle Bar, Sydney, links are in our podcast notes, along with some links to a couple of other major groups who are proudly leading Sydney's fetish and kink community into a bright and empowering future. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. New episodes of The Sentinel Speakeasy go to air every Tuesday from 5pm. You can tune in on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, proud, or wherever you get your podcasts and remember for more news as well as a huge range of arts and entertainment content, feature articles, interviews, opinion and queer vegan and news content visit sydneysentinel.com.au. You can also find us on Facebook at The Sydney Sentinel and on Instagram and Twitter where our handle is sydney underscore sentinel. Thank you everyone so much for joining us. I'll catch you next week. Bye for now.